0: Welcome into TYT's The Conversation. I'm Adrian Lawrence, and I have some incredible guests for you today. First up, I have Democratic strategist Zeke Stokes, who spent years working at GLAAD as a former chief programs officer. Thank you so much for joining us, Zeke.
1: Thank you for having me, Adrian. great to see you.
0: Yes, yeah, lovely to see you too. And things seem to be getting a little bit better out there in terms of all of this nonsense going on with Trump and his refusal to really Seed and just leave office. So what are your thoughts on how this is playing out?
1: You know, I've had so many thoughts over the last two weeks like I guess you and so many Americans, you know, this really is unprecedented and it's gone from silly and disruptive to really dangerous and and quite frankly deadly. We just crossed, Two hundred and fifty thousand Americans dead from the coronavirus, and yet we've got this administration standing in the way of the incoming Biden-Harris administration when they need to be getting down to serious business to to make sure that they can hit the ground running on day one to get this vaccine distributed. To make sure that we've got a plan in place for recovering economically from this pandemic, and of course tackling all the things that were issues in this election, like climate change and and systemic racism and criminal justice, and all of those things—such big things that we have to to do—and right now Donald Trump and his allies are standing in the way, and it's dangerous, and it is literally killing Americans. You can't overstate it, really.
0: No, and you're absolutely right about that. We see the numbers come out every day showing COVID-19 being on the rise. And all of essentially this havoc that is coming to fruition, in part because Trump will not get out of the way. And since you focus on just the strategic elements largely of the Democratic platform, what do you think is most important to focus on right now given the circumstances?
1: Well, I think part of the big challenge we see President-elect Biden having is having to deal with this, this intransigent uh, 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 president uh, and administration uh, and try and and still trying to bring the Americans together, which I think is what people voted for. They wanted a return to some level of normalcy, civility and a real adult at the White House. um, And that's what we got. And so he's really having a hard time uh, straddling this fence between fighting fighting the trump machine and and making sure that they have access to everything they need in order to hit the ground running and do the job and also making sure that we're moving sort of past this this petty Partisan nonsense and and divisiveness that we've seen for the last few years. So he's got a really tall order, but I feel so good about where we are with this incoming administration. They've put together such an amazing transition team. So many so many great people from all walks of life, all areas of of, of public life in America, coming together to tackle the big issues in front of us. So I feel good about where we're headed. It's going to be painful getting there, but one way or the other, Donald Trump is going to leave the White House and. Hopefully, the public stage for good on January 20th, 2021. (laughs)
0: Yes, definitely at noon that day, I will hope that he will be out of the White House and out of our lives, let's hope. Um, But in terms of Biden's transition and the team that he is assembling, uh, you're right, it is a lot more diverse in terms of making sure that people come from all sides, all walks of life and have representation in uh, an experience working with different members of different parties. And so I think that could help with um, kind of getting rid of that divisiveness that's there and bringing people together. Mm -hmm. And so when you go ahead, yeah. Oh no, and
1: professionals, scientists, medical professionals, giving their best advice to this administration, this new incoming administration. It's going to be a new day. We we kind of forgot what it was like to have have you know normal leadership in this country, Uh, and we're starting to feel it again. And it feels really great, doesn't it? (laughs)
0: Oh No, it absolutely does. Uh, But the one thing that doesn't feel all that awesome just because you're wondering how successful can they be is this coup attempt that's kind of going on. And that is also kind of being ignored at the same time because there's this thought of oh, they won't be able to pull it off. And what does it really say to you if the Dems aren't responding to this purported coup that we see Giuliani and Trump really trying to orchestrate?
1: Well, there's a few things to remember. I think the first is that the vast majority of Americans believe this election is settled and are not giving a lot of credence to the antics that Trump and Giuliani and their their allies are trying to pull. That said, we ought to call this out for what it is. It is a coup attempt. In any other country, we would say this is a coup attempt to undermine undermine democracy, undermine the will of the people, and to stay in power at all costs. That's what he's doing. We shouldn't try to sugarcoat that, even though. We we feel like the outcome will not be successful for him. Um, I think you know one of the things Joe Biden said in his news conference yesterday after he met with the governors on the coronavirus um, pandemic was that they're keeping all options on the table uh, as it relates to how to deal with this. Um, and you know, I think you know Donald Trump telegraphed to us uh, the day he came down uh, the escalator at Trump Tower uh, four years ago who he was. Um, what I think we need to see now is who these Republicans are, who are surrounding him—Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell—who are giving him cover to do this kind of nonsense. Um, and I think history is going to treat those people uh, and the people who stood with this president at this time very, very badly. And they literally have blood on their hands. This is not—this is not a, a, a time for for gamesmanship, one-upsmanship, partisanship. This is a time to come together and do what's right because people are literally dying. We've all seen. The, the video of, of, of miles of cars lined up down the streets and in cities across this country. Because people are hungry and they need food. These elected leaders need to get to work. They need to come together with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and get the job done. Nothing else is acceptable.
0: No, it's an completely and totally unacceptable. And fortunately, it seems we're kind of moving in that direction, which is very nice. And one of those things in particular is just the other day, we heard about the Michigan lawmakers who are going to meet with Trump after trying to possibly maybe change their certification for Biden in Michigan and Wayne County in particular where Detroit is. And the fortunate thing that came out of that is apparently they have now said that they are not going to kind of overturn their certification decision. So they kind of just you know, kicked Trump in his teeth and said no, which is great. But kind of what does it signal that you have these Republicans jumping in and out in terms of whether they're going to partner with Trump or not? It's literally
1: insane, Adrian. You really just can't put a big enough exclamation point on it. The fact that the president of the United States, the defeated president of the United States, would call these local canvassing board people, and you know, as far as we can tell, try to persuade them to rescind their their certification of this election in Michigan, you know, in an attempt to undermine the overall outcome, is really just insane, if not criminal. And you know thankfully they actually had no legal standing to rescind their certification anyway so it was sort of a an attempted effort with with no real place to go behind it but then inviting these republican legislators from michigan to the white House today and then trying to say oh they're not going to talk about the election well what are they there to talk about what is this president trying to do we know he hasn't he's abdicated every other area of responsibility has had virtually no public schedule since election day of course that's what he's talking to them about that's all he's thinking about it's all he's tweeting about and it really is damaging to our democracy not just here at home but it sends a really bad signal around the world about about how democratic governments work. And we've gotta we've gotta really come together and, and stand firm against this as progressives, as Democrats, as Americans, and say this is not okay. It never will be okay, not from this president, not from any president.
0: No, it is completely and totally unacceptable, you're absolutely right about that. And something that I would definitely love to address in part because it's so important to me and I am just so absolutely bothered by it and I know you have a lot of experience working at GLAAD. And so we saw as Trans Awareness Week wrapped up having this decision come out of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which basically said that bans on anti-LGBTQ conversion therapy (laughs) violates the First Amendment. And what bothered me most about this ruling other than the fact that it's absolutely disgusting and disturbing is that both of the judges that were in the 2-1 majority were appointed by Trump. And so the reality is that now we have a judiciary that is It's largely inundated with Trump appointees who have this conservative, very narrow minded outset. And that could control a lot of how this nation goes moving forward, even if Trump is unseated. So I would love to hear your thoughts about the judiciary in particular. The
1: judiciary is the great tragedy of this entire four years, whether it's Amy Comey, Amy Coney Barrett at the at the Supreme Court, or what's happened at circuit courts and federal courts all across this country for the last four years? They they want to talk about court packing. That's what they've been doing at every level for the past four years, and we see the results of that in the, in a case like the one you just mentioned. Conversion therapy is nothing more than state-sanctioned child abuse. It is an effort to 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 convince LGBTQ kids that they're not LGBTQ, and we know that it has very dire consequences for those who go through it, including much, much more likelihood that they will attempt suicide. We've, we've achieved a ban on conversion therapy in I think 28 states now. We need a national ban on conversion therapy, and thankfully, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have committed to that.
0: Oh Wow, that, that just it gives me so much joy and makes me look forward to their administration even more. And thank you so much for joining us. Zeke, can you tell the viewers where they can find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Zeke Stokes, uh, and uh, I'm there talking, talking all the time, doing a lot of retweeting, listening a lot because I think that's important too, and chiming in when I have a little
0: something to say. Ah, fantastic! I can dig that. Thanks so much, Zeke. Thank you,
1: Adrian. Good to see you.
0: Welcome into TYT's The Conversation. I'm Adrian Lawrence, and I am joined by Encore Jen, co-founder and co-CEO of Kairos, that's a venture studio that invests in companies tackling the world's greatest challenges. Thanks for joining us, Ankur.
2: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: Yes, and especially right now to have your knowledge and what you do with Kairos is fantastic. And I want our viewers to get like a full understanding of this. So we're in the midst of a huge housing crisis with evictions going on, and Kairos is working to fix housing. Tell me more about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, so Kairos broadly has been really about helping solve some of the big problems that our generation has been facing. And frankly, problems that have just gotten worse since the COVID shutdown started. I mean, you know, many of us graduated into the 2008 financial crisis, which was hard enough. And now you're coming into our second kind of once in a lifetime financial crisis. The problem is that with these shutdowns, people are no longer able to afford rent. We have millions of millennials out of jobs. And we've got to figure out how to make it through and get back on our feet. And so one of the things that we've been working on recently has been thinking about, how do we get people a stimulus check now? Because we can't just wait on the federal government anymore. I mean, it just doesn't seem like anything's happening there. And so can we get something done today at the local level that can put money back in people's pockets? And so Adrian, one of the crazy things that we figured out is that there's $45 billion Stuck in security deposits. You know that thing you have to put up when you want to rent an apartment? I mean, $45 billion locked in security deposits that's just sitting there doing nothing. And meanwhile, people are struggling to pay rent. People are trying to get to the next month. And so we came up with a plan to abolish security deposits. Um, And it's really simple it's that we can actually work with local officials and say, hey, give every renter the option to take that cash back, use it to pay rent, use it to pay down debt. And, and don't worry, we can still protect the landlords because new innovations like some of the stuff that we've been working on at Rhino and other stuff allows you to take, for example, a $1,000 cash deposit and instead replace it with a $5 a month insurance, right? I mean, super simple common sense solutions, right? And I think you and I have chatted about this, Adrian, like, People love talking about the crazy nonsense stuff, but sometimes it's just simple common sense solutions that can fix these problems. Um, And so we've just been on a mission to abolish the security deposit across the country um, over the last nine months.
0: That is really cool. And it's funny because you think oh, this is so ingenious when really, no, you're right, it's kind of commonsensical. Yet I think we've been following this old format for so long that we've kind of just gotten used to these things that we just know we just do. Um, So it's good to have someone out there thinking how can we maximize and change things up. And so something you had said was your company Kairos is like a reverse shark tank. What (laughs) did you mean by that?
2: So, we think a lot about starting with problem first, right? I think entrepreneurship at its best is about solving real problems facing real people. And technology at its best, takes something that's a problem, makes it better, and then democratizes access so everybody can benefit, right? And our problem that we wanted to solve at Cairo is kind of in that reverse Shark Tank model was, how do we make life more affordable? Right? How do we give more people in our generation access to better healthcare? How do we create jobs for our generation when we're worried about, I mean, even pre-COVID, we had to worry about AI automating jobs. Now we just have every restaurant and leisure and hospitality thing going out of business. So. Really, I think over the last year, a lot of these problems that have been in existence for the you know, the past decade have just been amplified. And that's really what we're trying to solve at Cairo. So the security deposit effort is one. And to give you just by the way, a little bit of, I think hope, Adrian, is that in just the last couple months, our effort has gotten this law passed in Cincinnati, in Atlanta, Governor Cuomo in New York passed it as an executive order. That freed up $8 billion in New York that people could take back and use as instant stimulus. And you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'm making an announcement with Mayor Garcetti from LA and Mayor Suarez from Miami to bring that same type of renter stimulus to people across the country, right? And so that's one thing. But we also have another problem, which we have to figure out, which is, how do we get people back to jobs? Unfortunately, a lot of restaurants, a lot of hospitality, a lot of travel industries have been devastated by the shutdowns. And many people in our generation have been affected, I think there's still 11 million people unemployed. Unfortunately, many of these jobs aren't coming back in the immediate future. So one of the efforts that we've also been launching at Kairos has been saying, can we create a program to train our generation for healthcare jobs that we know are both needed today and aren't going anywhere in the future. And so we've launched an initiative both in the UK and in the United States to train 10,000 people in each country as home care workers. And so it's just again, common sense win-win. We need more people on the front lines helping take care of the seniors in our population. And we need jobs that aren't going away. Home care is this incredible entry point into healthcare because you can get started with not that much time of training, and it becomes an entry point to then grow into anything from a licensed practical nurse to a registered nurse where you can start to make really meaningful income for you and your family
0: that that's incredible and it sounds like it's a great opportunity for people to really like you said get that knowledge base so that they can stay employed and hopefully be happily employed but something you also mentioned in terms of working in the UK and kind of getting that partnership going. And I know your background, you initially started in foreign policy. So how has your background in foreign policy really been advantageous as you look to solve the world's problems?
2: Look, I think for too long there has been this disconnect between the private sector and Silicon Valley and that entrepreneur world and government. Right? And the truth is that many of these problems that we're talking about are things that government should be doing something about. And I think sometimes just political leaders get in their own way. and you see this across the world. And so if we can create a more of a partnership where innovators and entrepreneurs can find these common sense solutions that you talk about all the time, and then work with policymakers to make sure that it's being accessed by everybody. Right? not just the select few at the top, but how do we make sure these solutions are available to everyone? Right? That kind of partnership is really powerful. And you know, when you think about foreign policy, that's one of the things that makes things work. So at the end of the day, economic ties are what influence most of foreign policy. And so if you can create these win-win solutions that are good for business and good for people, right? the government can play a really key role in scaling that and you know you talk a lot about housing affordability you know most housing affordability policies unfortunately either hurt the landlord or hurt the renter right those aren't sustainable solutions with the kind of thing we're doing with renter stimulus you can give back 45 billion dollars to renters but still keep landlords protected with a really simple insurance policy. It's kind of like when you rent a car from Hertz, right? Or one of these places, I think Hertz just went bankrupt actually. But if you rented a car from a place like that, you wouldn't put down $20,000 of cash in case you get into an accident, right? You have insurance. So why do we allow our landlords to take thousands of dollars out of our pockets when the average American? barely has $400 for emergency expenses as it is, right? So again, it's just these common sense solutions that I think the private sector and entrepreneurs can bring. And then with the help of government leaders really make available to everybody.
0: That is very, very wise and hopefully it'll be something that will be adopted Without question across the board. And so we don't have very much time left, but I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit since you are kind of the mastermind. Um, What is your most irrational fear?
2: Gosh, you know, I, I think the thing that scares me the most these days is people's inability to trust information anymore. Because when it comes to solving problems, The most important element is to start with an agreed upon set of assumptions on what the problem is, right? And I look at what's been happening like in this latest election, it sometimes feels like we're living in two completely different realities. And yet at the end of the day, most of us are just dealing with the same issues, right? We're just trying to get by, trying to make next month's rent, trying to start a family, buy a home one day, right? And if we can't even align on those simple things, I don't know how you solve these problems, um, but again, I think there's hope. <laughs> I don't mean to be gloom and doom. I do think there's a way for us to solve these issues. You know, one ask I do have for everyone uh, watching this is, like, help us bring this stimulus to people across the country. Right? This is something that can get done today. We can put back 45 billion dollars in deposits back into our pockets now and use that to get us back. Back on our feet and out of this crisis. So, anyways, thank you for having me, Adrian.
0: Thank you for joining us, and where can the viewers find you?
2: Uh, So, you can look it up at kairoshq.com, k-a-i-r-o-s-h-q.com, or find me on social. There's a lot of stuff that we can do—simple, common sense things that can help us get through this crisis. So, uh, anything we can do to help, please reach out. And uh, thanks again, Adrian, for having us here.
0: Thank you, encore.